Welcome to our first coffee date. I'm Anna, and if you are listening to this, we've probably met before, either in person or on the internet somewhere, but welcome. The point of this podcast is for us to sit down and just have a chat about whatever's going on, for the most part, life stuff. I want ideally for you to feel somewhat motivated to go in the direction of your dreams over the course of the next few episodes. I don't really know what I'm doing. I just know that this is something I need to do and I think that a lot of the things that I've done in the past have been along the same lines where something is pushing me in a direction to create the thing and I just don't know why but I I gotta And that's where creating videos started. If this is the first time that we've met, I have been making videos on my Instagram and my YouTube and for both totally different reasons, but something kept drawing me towards it and I just needed to follow. I still don't really have an explanation, but it's been so much fun and I am having the same feeling about podcasting is I just gotta do it. So here we are. Episode one, it's a coffee date with Anna. I want to officially kick off this podcast with a quote that I heard this morning. It goes, stretching your imagination is critical if you want to radically change your life because we're asking ourselves to picture our dream lives from the, quote, realities we currently exist in. I have this awesome calendar called You Are a Badass, and every day there is a new quote that I tear off when I'm having my coffee, so I felt it was appropriate. It made me feel like, yeah, okay, I'm doing it, and just like I was saying before, something keeps pushing me in this direction to create the thing. And that's what we're doing. But I had to imagine it first. What would it be like if I were to sit down and make a podcast? It was less about who's going to listen, how many people are going to listen, all that crap. You know, we all go through that. If you're going to make something, you immediately think about, oh, what what are people going to think about it? But for me, reality is that it's the process. It's the way that I feel when it's done, the accomplishment that comes along with it, and all things like that. So just like this podcast is the first one, which I've probably said way too many times by now, this is the first page in a new chapter. Not only in the podcast, but also in my actual life. I have just made a huge decision to leave my job that I've been at for the last seven years in order to pursue a life surrounded and completely enveloped by everything that I love. I have always naturally been an artistic person, a creative person, but I am equally as much an analytical person, somebody who enjoys spreadsheets probably too much. I am just equal parts, my mom and my dad. My mom was an artist. My dad is an entrepreneur. So put those two things together and you've got me. I wanted to share this 
little bit of the story with you because I think it's going to be an underlying theme in whatever we talk about from here on in this particular episode. So you know that I'm actively going through the things that I'm going to be talking about. I hope that you'll be able to relate to them either in a past situation you've been in, something you might currently be in right now, or something that you've been thinking about for a really long time and just haven't been able to pull the trigger. When I first started thinking about becoming a full-time artist, it was really scary. It was, it was a lot of critical thoughts against myself. Am I good enough? How, am I going to be able to handle it? Can I stand up to the competition that's out there? Things like that. The usual, you know. I'm sure we've all been there in one way or another thinking those things about ourselves. But I had to just put those thoughts aside and think, well, if they can do it, so can I. And whatever alleyway, whatever avenue they decided to go in, so could I. I was pretty comfortable. I had so much experience under my belt with this place. I was put in a position uh, where I was able to make decisions. It was a team effort and the community that I was surrounded in was great. So why did I feel this insatiable urge to leave it? That was another really hard part was why? Why do I want to do this? Why do I want to go? Why why can't I just enjoy what would I have? But I had to think back to who I was before I started this job. I had moved 3,000 miles across the country from Massachusetts to California in pursuit of a career as a dancer. Now, back then, even in high school, I graduated high school in 2004, and the reaction then when I said, I'm a dancer, unfortunately, was, wait, you're a stripper. (laughs) And I am so glad that the landscape of the dance world has blown up so massively that when you say dancer nowadays, people don't automatically think that you're a stripper. So (laughs) that is amazing. It started on this upward trajectory of mainstreamness when during, during that exact time frame, I moved in 2012, the beginning of 2012. And that was around the time that shows like So You Think You Can Dance, America's Best Dance Crew, the first couple of seasons of those shows were really taking off. And I think what I'm going to come back to over again and over again is that these dreams from a small town began when I met my now husband. And he'll be embarrassed with me telling this, but Because of the way that he thought, he saw things in such a big world way. My world didn't really stretch farther than Massachusetts. I had been to New York City one time, and I just couldn't believe that there was more outside of the small town dance community that I was involved in. I didn't know that it was possible to be part of something bigger. And he kind of blew the doors wide open on that for me. He had an agent. 
he had auditions, he would go to New York for this, that, and the other thing, and it became very apparent to me that the world that I thought was untouchable was more than tangible. Okay, so what did I need to do to get to that point? It was like, okay, this is where the analytical side comes in because if the creative side was like, man, I need to do this, the analytical side was, okay, how? (laughs) So what did I need? I needed a reserve and savings. I needed connections. I needed a job. I needed a place to stay. I needed things to be in place before I could say, let's do it. I am thinking now, as I'm saying this out loud, that I've gone through a similar process before. It was, I had been working in a dance studio. I was teaching dance 15 hours a week alongside a job at a cell phone store and I once I made the decision that I was going to go for this I left my job at that dance studio I left my job at that cell phone store for a job at Starbucks and that's where the coffee began (laughs) I didn't really drink coffee until I started working at that cell phone store that was next to that Starbucks and one of my coworkers would always order a caramel iced caramel macchiato and it looked so delicious that I needed to get one. And here we are. Coffee day. <laughs> so, to try and keep this a little bit more focused here because I will have the tendency to go on tangents. I did everything that I needed to do to change when I needed to change to put things in line that needed to be so that I could pursue this passion. The job as a studio manager in Los Angeles fell into my lap. It was not something that I ever dreamed would be a thing. It just so happened that the stars aligned and handed this opportunity to me. My first reaction at the time was, holy shit. wait, you want me? You want me to be the studio manager. I had been a work study for the previous year and somehow that was enough for this company to trust me. Now, the paternal side of me said, well, yeah, I can do it. I can do this. I will make everything better. I got this. The other side was like, well, wait, what about all the other things that we came here for? I weighed my options and it was really a one in a million opportunity that I needed to take that could potentially support my dreams of becoming the dancer I wanted to be. Seven years later, that didn't happen. <laughs> it, it became apparent to me that I was really not cut out for the dancer life because I was too much of a leader. I've had <laughs> situations in the past I was an extra on a movie and the director was having a hard time with a dance scene and I was just an extra and it was an overnight shoot. It was like 4 a.m. and I was really cranky and I ended up marching up to the director of the movie to tell him how things could be done. Granted, I had a much shorter fuse and a lot less patience than I do now (laughs) back then. But if that puts that in perspective for you, 
if I don't agree with something, I'm going to try and make a suggestion and it will probably get me fired, honestly. (laughs) So I came to the realization that that just was not a right fit for me in the long run. It would be fun, but I'd probably get in trouble. I'm just being honest with myself at this point. So here I am now, well, a couple months ago, trying to understand why I feel like I need to leave. And for an opportunity that was so rare, I had such a hard time with understanding my feelings. I felt like I was giving up by leaving. I felt that I wasn't doing justice to that girl, that that I didn't follow through hard enough, that I wasn't that I was letting it go instead of trying harder. But just like I said, I had already realized that that route was not for me anymore. I didn't feel connected to the dance community like I used to. I have some of my closest friends that are in this community, but I was just in it. My heart was in art and creating and and people and... That was beyond what I had been in for the last few years. I had started to, I would say probably three or four years ago, I had started to kind of wither away a little bit. I became a desk jockey. I was coming into the dance studio and sitting at a desk over and over and over, day after day, for hours and hours. I was prioritizing this job over my family and my fiance at the time he's my husband now it was it was a lot and I would work and work and work until the job was done and it never ended it was always something else I I just want to make clear that I loved this job if I didn't love it then I wouldn't have put as much effort into it as I had I ended up being introduced to CrossFit a few years ago while I was in this desk jockey state. I had back pain all the time. I was just kind of miserable. Like, I just felt like a lump. I I wasn't doing anything with my body anymore, and I had been dancing since I was two and a half, so it was just like a, a lot of non-movement. I was introduced to CrossFit, and it got me moving again. It connected me with a new community of people that I otherwise wouldn't have gotten the chance to meet. And instead of being 24-hour dance-related conversations, it was, we all have our own different careers that we are part of, but we all come together because we love CrossFit. It was an amazingly, it still is, an amazingly positive environment. So supportive and and way less competitive than the dance community can be. So things kind of started to be put into perspective. I loved being at the gym. I loved being with these people. I loved cheering them on. I appreciated so much when they cheered me on. I learned to appreciate and recognize the little successes as they happened instead of always thinking 
well, I'm not good enough. My headshots aren't good enough. I got cut so soon in that audition. Negative, 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 Nancy. (laughs) I learned to rewire my brain through CrossFit, which I really credit for bringing us to this very moment. When I decided that I was going to start moving in the direction of being self-employed, beyond wondering if I was good enough, the one thing that stood out was fear. I was so scared. I, I went back and forth between moments of complete panic and complete excitement. And that still happens. <laughs> there are some days when I wake up, or some nights, when I wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning, wide awake, out of dead sleep, to be like, oh my god, how am I going to make money? <laughs> and I don't think that's ever going to go away. But, you know, that'll be a motivator. If I'm really stuck on something, I'm going to find a way so that I don't have to feel that fear anymore. What I had to recognize about fear was that I didn't have the answer. And I wasn't going to have the answer until I tried. I learned in a program that I did, a coaching program, called Creating Ops. If you know, you know. But I learned that fear, the word, is actually an acronym. F-E-A-R stands for False Evidence Appearing Real. I was afraid of all these scenarios that did not happen yet. I wasn't even in it. Like, I hadn't even left my job yet. But I was still allowing these potential situations to decide how I felt. All right. I can't be scared. I just gotta do it. So, in this particular moment... I want you to think about right now, what scares you? What's something that you've wanted to do, but you've been afraid to do? Why do you think you've been afraid to do it? And I absolutely encourage you to do the thing that scares you. Because it's really not as bad as you think. And at the other end of it, you're going to be like, why didn't I do it sooner? I'm telling you right now, from personal experience, you're going to think that 99.9% of the time, oh, that wasn't so bad. (laughs) There's a phrase that I say all the time, and it's just that you got to jump in the deep end without your swimmies. When you're little and you're learning that you can swim, you always reach for the swimmies just to be sure you're going to be okay. But you're not going to learn to swim by yourself until you take them off and you just go. You jump in the deep end a million times with your swimmies on because you know you're good. You can swim without the swimmies after a certain point. So you just got to take them off and jump in for the first time. Do you remember what that was like? That will always reappear in your life in different scenarios. It's just not at a pool and it's not actual swimmies. It's just letting go and doing it. When I had my first day, after my last day at my job, my first day 
working for me. That was the weirdest feeling I've ever felt, to be honest with you. It literally was me floating in the deep end, like floating in space. It was really quiet and I didn't die. Really, it it was just, I was hyper aware of how I had complete control over my full day. And it was just quiet. And it was part part like, oh my God, what have I done? <laughs> Very much so that. But also, okay, what do I want to do now? What can I do now? I can do whatever I want. Where do I start? And it was just, like I said, panic and excitement at the same time. At that moment, I wasn't necessarily panicking, but there have been moments at other times that have just been like, oh my God, 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 oh my God. But something always comes up, but it's because I had the opportunity to start creating what I wanted. I need to go back to what I said about CrossFit introducing me to celebrating the little successes as they come along. I used to think that there were these big checkpoints that I needed to hit before I felt successful. When I really needed to sit down and look at all the things I had accomplished. Even though they weren't those big check marks. I didn't book a tour. I didn't perform on an award show but there were a million other things that I accomplished that I just wasn't recognizing as an accomplishment because they weren't those other things that I was so focused on in the gym you have a record of your score for whatever the task was for that day if it was lifting a barbell off the ground if it was doing a particular workout within a certain amount of time you have concrete numbers to compare to your past results to see how your progress is actually going. When I first started, I, for example, would do a back squat at 70 pounds. And now, three years later, I just did a back squat at 140. So I have concrete evidence of my progress. But what I had to learn between 70 and 140 is that 75 was a success. 80 pounds was a success. And everything in between, even if it was a half a pound progress, progress is progress. No matter how small it is. So translating that over into your everyday life, you know, maybe it's just that you ate three meals a day today. That's a hard one for me. I skip breakfast a lot and I don't mean to, but that's a small little goal I have for myself. And if I successfully ate three meals a day, awesome. I did it. (laughs) There's a way for you to track these things, even if it's not in a gym notebook that has all of your PRs and whatever. There's a way to do it daily that I've started to realize and it's really been helping me is either the night before or the morning of while I'm having my coffee I write down a to-do list for the day the to-do list consists of small things 
and bigger thing. Small things like have my coffee. Check. Easy. Done. (laughs) I'll have make a coffee post on my Instagram. Check. Done. Because I've got a coffee there. I'm halfway done. All I gotta do is be a little creative and come up with something fun for other people to see. Breakfast, lunch, dinner. Those are all on there. Go to the gym. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes it doesn't. But when it does, I get to cross it off. And then I can start adding in the work things. Or doing laundry. Or making my bed. Totally attainable goals that you can put on this to-do list so you can feel good about what you are getting done for the day versus what you're not. And it's not really a whole lot of pressure to mark off every single one of those things. Although, on the days when I do cross off all the things, I feel great. But I also know that most of the time, Whatever doesn't get done can just get moved over to tomorrow's to-do list. I will admit that laundry has been pushed back and it has been pushed back. And I think we're probably about a week in where I have had laundry on my to-do list every single day. But today's the day. I say that now. But it is. The last thing that I think was really important in my mindset changing when turning the page into this new chapter is that I had to become, in a way, my own biggest cheerleader. And now I know that if my husband is listening to this, he will be like, um, what? (laughs) Because probably daily I look at him and I say, am I doing, am I doing this right? Is this okay? Is it wrong if I and I bounce so many things off of him and he's like, duh, <laughs> you're good. <laughs> it's great to have that reinforcement, but I had to visualize myself doing the things that I wanted to do and being excited about it when it got done. Because if you don't believe in yourself, you can't rely on somebody else to be that for you. Everybody else is trying to do their own thing too. When you post something and nobody likes it or you get like one or two likes, if you're proud of that thing, the likes don't matter because you did that. When you're relying on other people as validation to say that they like it or that they think it's good, you're already in a hole because you're not making things for you anymore. You're making things for them. That goes for your everyday stuff. Like when I make my coffee in the morning, I don't have to share it. I loved that coffee. I was proud of that coffee today. I was proud of that latte art. Sure, if it's good, I'll take a picture of it and it'll count as my coffee post for the day. But in the long run, in the long run, I'm making coffee for me. I'm making this podcast because I feel like I need to do it. And if nobody listens to it, at least I did it. At least I picked up the app. (laughs) I've set up my own little corner in my closet and I'm recording a freaking podcast. Doing it. This world is weird. The way that it totally revolves around social media as a person, as a business, as this, that, and the other... It's less social 
and more oversharing, marketing, personal branding, all this crap. The thing that gets me going in whatever genre it is, is people. I make stuff for people. I do commissions of portraits for people, most of the time of other people or animals or something that I, someone that I would otherwise not ever get the chance to meet. And to hear that person or that pet's story through the people who love them the most is the coolest thing. When I make a video about CrossFit on my YouTube channel and somebody comments and tells me their success, I am the most excited that they wanted to share that with me and that they accomplished that. I don't even know personally most of the people that comment on my YouTube videos, but I feel so connected to them. And maybe that's you that's listening right now, especially if you have commented on my video and you told me what your score was for Murph or for the Open or something like that. I can relate to you and I know how good it felt to get my first pull up or to do Murph for the first time. I remember how much pain I was in. I will be there to support and cheer you on because I know what that's like. Unless you're David and I I don't know what it's like to do a muscle up yet. (laughs) I think that sitting down with you and telling you all these things that have been going through my mind over the last couple of months that have brought me to this point of making this podcast is life is ever evolving. I don't think that you need to feel stuck. I know that it takes time to prepare to move in a particular direction, especially if you need to zig when you've been zagging, it's scary. And it's always going to be scary. But if you don't move towards the thing that scares you, you're never going to know how awesome it could be on the other side. False evidence appearing real. If you let yourself believe it, it might as well be real. But it's not proven until you go for it. I'm just out here. I'm still in the deep end. I didn't die. My swimmies are way over there. And I'm just treading water. It's all good. Now, what do I do? And I hope that you continue listening to these podcasts My plan is to bring other people in and hear their stories of growth and excitement and where they're going in their life and their passions. And even if you can't necessarily relate to me and the things that I've been talking about today, I hope that one of them will be that for you. So I think I'm going to say my cup is empty for this particular episode. I hope that you actually did have a coffee while you are listening to this and if not next time I'll be drinking my James coffee night owl espresso blend most likely in a cashew milk cappuccino in my awesome James coffee cup I promise this is not sponsored by James coffee I just really love them so that being said I hope you enjoyed this episode and see you in the next one Thank you.
Okay, bye.